Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. This is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. This month's topic is The Shadow of the Magician on the Nature of Evil. Now, I should start uh, right from the outset and, and say the obvious, which is philosophers and theologians and many others have debated the nature of evil for millennia, and uh, we're not going to cover all that ground in one uh, 20 to 25-minute uh, podcast episode. So uh, what we will try to do instead is uh, I'm going to start by talking about a few theoretical perspectives on evil, including basically a summary of what appears to be the Judeo-Christian approach to understanding evil, and then we'll transition into a Thelemic model of understanding evil, um, as implied in holy books and in Crowley's commentaries and uh, some related source documents. Then uh, the last part of the podcast, we're going to focus on the practical implications of this theory. How in a magical or initiatory context are these ideas worked with um, to transform the self? How might we work with concepts like the shadow in psychological work to address these issues? So that's a roadmap for today, and let's get started. Um, let's look at the Judeo-Christian understanding of evil. Um, now, this will be inevitably oversimplified, but I think one way we can put it in a nutshell is to say that the Judeo-Christian approach views evil as a universal force. It's a force of nature and of the, the manifest world um, that tends to work against a fairly specific code of assumed virtues, um, both in society and in the, in the individual. So evil is defined as a force that um, is by its nature overturning, undermining, eroding certain set values that, um, that are predefined by one group or another, usually the people who have money and power. And this force is um, often personified. So we get an idea like the devil, that this uh, sort of evil god, basically, who uh, personifies, embodies the, the nature of the force of evil itself. Um, but what it tends to boil down to, because of the, the nature of this sort of narrow-minded uh, and limiting view, uh, what it tends to boil down to in any given culture or subculture or individual is uh, evil is anything I don't like. Uh, on the spiritual plane, this results in the projection of our own perceptions of evil onto outer uh, people or forces or deities. Um, and uh, Crowley even comments on this in uh, Magic and Theory and Practice, Chapter 21, when he says, The devil is historically the god of any people that one personally dislikes. So translate that into individual life and you get all the sort of uh, shadow projection that I've talked about before where we, we just disown our own um, disliked aspects of self and, and find them in other people because that's uh, somewhat of a psychological relief. Um, when societies as a whole do that, we get the tyranny of... Um, warlike attitudes toward uh, any group of others. Um, the wrong religion, the wrong uh, political leaning, the uh, 
the wrong political system, communism versus capitalism, et cetera. They're the bad guys, and um, we disown our own inner bad guy, I guess. Um, now, the problem with this psychologically, and I think where the real evil lies, is that by repressing aspects of our own minds or even aspects of, of our own culture that we that we consciously dislike, um, I think we really commit a crime against nature. I think we, we limit ourselves, we limit our humanity by attempting to carve out this part of ourselves that is unacceptable and not acknowledge it and not work with it and not find the divinity in it. And this brings us to the view of evil in Thelema. Basically, I'm going to be talking about this uh, as equivalent to restriction of true will. We we understand Crowley's view of, of the law of Thelema to imply that what is sinful is restriction of true will. So let's let's equate that with the idea of evil and see what the implications are. Now, the first thing that's fairly obvious here is that we don't have a preset code of, of, of ideas of what is good or evil. You can't just say it's always wrong to do X activity because there's no law in the Thelema that says that. It just says, do what thou wilt. So um, we have a relative view of evil, not an absolute one. Um, Yet, we can see in various places in Crowley's writings, uh, most notably um, for our purposes here, the essay called Duty, which I'll quote from in a minute, um, where he elaborates on the interpersonal and societal implications of living according to true will. So there are not codes of arbitrary right and wrong, but codes, uh, implications of, of right and wrong that follow directly from the central law of the Lima. So let me let me read some excerpts from Duty to give you a sense of what I'm talking about there. Um, and I'm skipping around here. But he says, uh, Abstain from all interferences with other wills. Beware lest any force another, king against king. To seek to dominate or influence another is to seek to deform or destroy him. And he is a necessary part of one's own universe, that is, of one's self. Later on, he says, The essence of crime is that it restricts the freedom of the individual outraged. Thus, murder restricts his right to live, robbery his right to enjoy the fruits of his labor, coining his right to guarantee, to the guarantee of the state that he shall barter in security, etc. It is then the common duty to prevent crime by segregating the individual and by the threat of reprisals, also to teach the criminal that his acts, being analyzed, are contrary to his own will. This may often be accomplished by taking from him the right which he has denied to others, as by outlawing the thief so that he feels constant anxiety for the safety of his own possessions, removed from the ward of the state. This rule is quite simple. He who violated any right declares magically that it does not exist, therefore it no longer does so for him. And finally, um, apply the law of Thelema to all problems of fitness, use, and development. It is a violation of the law of Thelema to abuse the natural qualities of any animal or object by diverting it from its proper function, as determined by consideration of its history and structure. Thus, to train children to perform mental operations or to practice tasks for which they are unfitted is a crime against nature. 
similarly to build houses of rotten material, to adulterate food, to destroy forests, etc., etc., is to offend. So you can see uh, in there a, a number of important implications about uh, what we can really think of as, as being evil in a thelemic context. Now, um, I mentioned that there are some implications about evil that uh, we can find in holy books. So let's look at Libertzadi for a moment. Um, I'm just going to read the passages and then uh, we'll see what lessons might come out of it. I'm not reading the whole text, obviously. Uh, we began, Many have arisen, being wise. They have said, Seek out the glittering image in the place ever golden and unite yourselves with it. Many have arisen, being foolish. They have said, Stoop down into the darkly splendid world and be wedded to that blind creature of the slime. I, who am beyond wisdom and folly, arise and say unto you, Achieve both weddings. Unite yourselves with both. Beware, beware, I say, lest ye seek after the one and lose the other. My adepts stand upright, their head above the heavens, their feet below the hells. But since one is naturally attracted to the angel, another to the demon, let the first strengthen the lower link, the last attach more firmly to the higher. Thus shall equilibrium become perfect. I will aid my disciples, as fast as they acquire this balanced power and joy, so faster I will push them. So uh, I'm going to make a few comments here, and these are um, only my opinion, of course. Um, I, the, the main thrust of the first couple lines there, seek, seek out the glittering image uh, versus stoop down in the darkly splendid world, is that there is divinity and power and purpose in all things, and when the, the book says achieve both weddings, unite yourselves with both, it's clearly uh, impelling us to, to uh, expand ourselves to the fullest, to embrace all of these um, capacities and, uh, and to, to not limit ourselves by what we're naturally drawn to. Um, beware, I say, lest you seek after the one and lose the other. Um, and of course, the, the commonly quoted line: "My adepts stand upright; their heads above the head above the heavens, their feet below the hells." Um, there again, the idea of an adept being someone who has fully embraced the the uh, their their capacity for things that are earthly or you know mundane or even dark, uh, and the highest light. Um, now, when he starts talking about uh, one being attracted to the angel and another to the demon, and then sort of suggesting that you start by strengthening the opposite, um, there is there is wisdom in that. But we can also see in in other places, and we'll talk more in more detail about this when I come to the practical part of this uh, presentation. That we can also see that timing makes a difference, and in the way. Crowley structured the system of AA, for example. Um, it is clear that initial steps to strengthen the link to the HGA are uh, to take precedence over immersion in, um, in, you know, embracing what he would call in this in this instance the demon. Um, 
Now, you may not realize this, but uh, Liberzati quotes the Chaldean uh, oracles of Zoroaster, that line about stoop not down or stoop down into the uh, darkly splendid world. The, the original line from uh, Chaldean oracles is as follows. Uh, stoop not down into the darkly splendid world, wherein continually lieth the faithless depth and Hades wrapped in clouds, delighting in unintelligible images, precipitous, winding, a black, ever-rolling abyss, ever-espousing a body unluminous, formless, and void. Um, so let's look at this and some of the, the other lines that follow in the Chaldean Oracles, because I think we can get more instruction out of it and expand our understanding of, of how evil is being talked about here. That line I just quoted, um, what's being discussed there is the totality of the unconscious mind itself. It's full of wonder, full of possibility, full of fear, full of vague imagery, full of uh, the unknown. Uh, and you, you may recall that even the, the root word for hell um, basically just refers to a concealed place. That is the unconscious, the unknown itself. Next line, stoop not down, for a precipice lieth beneath the earth, reached by a descending ladder which hath seven steps, and therein is established the throne of an evil and fatal force. You might think of this as the uh, the shadow side of the seven chakras, uh, the energy centers. Uh, in other words, the generative power that we all possess, but wrongly approached and wrongly utilized. So there again, it's not about this force is evil, in, from a Thelemic context, it's about the use of this force may be evil if it is against the true will, if it is um, approached in such a way that undermines the right execution of the true will. Timing. And uh, a subtlety of self-knowledge that is required before one um, utilizes these forces. Next line. Stay not on the precipice with the dross of matter, for there is a place for thy image in a realm ever splendid. We must acknowledge that there is more to the universe than the physical world, and more to us than our physical bodies, or else we get trapped. Um, and the last few lines I'll quote here, again from Chaldean Oracles. Invoke not the visible image of the soul of nature. Look not upon nature, for her name is fatal. It becometh you not to behold them before your body is initiated since by always alluring they seduce the souls from the sacred mysteries. Bring her not forth, lest in departing she retain something. From this I take that uh, the physical world is sacred, and as is all else in the universe. But before we have forged our link to the highest sources of spiritual force, it can distract us from the path. It can confuse us into believing that immersion in simple pleasures is an end rather than a means to attain conscious spiritual ecstasy. Uh, I suggest you you see the uh, the Living Thelema episode or a book chapter on sex magic and mysticism for a lot more on this, uh, uh, the, the right tantric approach, I guess, uh, to physical pleasure and to, to ecstasy. Now, if you've been following even somewhat closely, it, it won't take, it won't be much of a leap for you to, uh, to realize that we can understand um, this evil force the way a Judeo-Christian perspective would, 
would have it um, as being roughly equivalent to the nefesh in terms of the the parts of the soul, the Kabbalistic psychology that we've talked about on on other podcasts. Um, so you know the nefesh is the the vital force, the animal soul. Um, Judeo-Christian orthodoxy would see this as you know the evil natural drives and impulses and sexual force and aggressive vitality and, and so on. Uh, whereas in Thelema, uh, it, the nefesh is certainly not evil. It's divine like everything else. It is absolute divine force. Life-giving generative power uh, lives there, you know. Um, what we have to do is understand the timing of tapping into it, when along our path is it appropriate to put our focus there, and develop the right relationship to it. That is between the Ruach, the conscious mind, and the Nefesh. Uh, we forge a strong link to the Neshama first. Um, we aspire earnestly to the Holy Guardian Angel and make that linkage as strong and conscious as possible before engaging with the the uh, most intense work with the nefesh. Um, now, one thing that's uh, a, a useful bit of gematria here that uh, may be kind of fun to look at if you don't know this is that the the uh, the Hebrew for serpent is nachash, and the Hebrew for uh, messiah basically is meshiach, and they both total to three hundred fifty eight. Um, so we have an implied equivalence between a, a serpent and a redeemer. Um, 358 has some encoded relationships, that the relationship between the numbers 3, 5, and 8, that relate to the pentagram, and therefore the Mars force, the life force, the Kundalini, um, the Gaborin force. Um, rightly understood, the very thing, that, that serpent uh, nefesh, the very thing that society has traditionally condemned as evil for millennia is itself our Redeemer. Uh, it's the implication of this identity between the serpent and Messiah. Um, basically, this is uh, an admonition to do some good shadow work, to um, approach our innate power, um, as, uh, you know, with, with right understanding of its nature and um, put it to use in line with our conscious initiated understanding of our true will rather than let it run the show um, without question. So let's begin to talk about some, uh, some tools for working with uh, so-called evil, but more rightly understood, working with... Um, with the shadow. Um, now, we would never tell a pre-adolescent child to work on their shadow shit um, because they don't even know who they are yet. And even, for the most part, an adolescent is still just beginning to wrestle with that and, and get their, their ego stuff figured out, you know. What are they about? What, what's their life going to be about? What are their values? Uh, what do they want to pursue? What's what are those early glimmerings of true will that are beginning to speak with them? So you would never take someone in that state and say, 
okay, forget forget about finding yourself right now. Just go um, figure out the worst parts of yourself and just focus on those for a few years. That would be ridiculous. And that's what we're in danger of doing if along our initiatory path we set aside the pursuit of knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel in favor of playtime with demons. Um, it's not evil. It's not wrong per se, but it sure as hell could be distracting and it sure as hell could be something that delays an initiate's real apprehension of their true will. Uh, so timing and approach once again, um, we have to go through a spiritual adolescence to attain to knowledge and conversation, or at least have some substantial self-exploratory spiritual work done um, before moving on to this deeper shadow work. Um, there are uh, curricula in uh, places like the First Order of uh, Golden Dawn patterned uh, orders uh, that accomplish this. So you get to the Tefereth grade and, and you at least have uh, completed a, a uh, lower level circuit of self-understanding that may give you some glimmers of true will. Um, or the student and probationer phase of AA um, as preparatory for some of the, the Nefesh work that happens in Neophyte. Um, there, there are always preliminaries in place in the systems that, that Crowley uh, devised. You may be aware that in the the medieval system uh, of Abermelon, the magician attains to knowledge and conversation and then um, binds the four princes of evil in, in the world to basically the true will, to the will of the angel and the will of the attained magician. Um, the implication here is that we forge, once again, we forge that link to the highest and then Balanced by and empowered by that link, we are enabled to deal with all our shadow shit, to uh, make sure that our drives and impulses are put in service of the true will rather than um, uh, what we have probably habitually done in a pre-adept phase, which is um, act more impulsively on these uh, these drives without much... Uh, framing in terms of true will. Uh, much earlier than knowledge and conversation, though, in the system of AA, we have the neophyte working with um, the nefesh. Uh, this is an inherent part of the 32nd path of Tav that the neophyte's working on, the mastery of the body of light, control of the body of light. Um, they are strengthening their ability to scry the, the astral worlds and travel and astral projection and so on. And the, the final assignment, after they've shown uh, capacity and been tested on that capacity in other ways, is a scrying of their own natal uh, clip-off, the clip-off of their own natal sun sign. And um, so this, even as early as Neophyte, is built into the system to begin to do some shadow work um, but there again, it's coming after a student phase, a probationer phase, and under supervision of um, a zealotor who hopefully knows what they're doing and, and ought to if the system is working the way it's supposed to, because they themselves have been tested. Now, um, moving away from the, the formal sort of 
magical order perspective on this and more in terms of uh, psychological end of things. Um, I want to renew my recommendation to all of you to do some shadow work using tools like Robert Johnson's inner work uh, for dream analysis. Um, use the suggestions that I've given in prior um, podcast episodes about uh, projection work, looking for the, the way that we project our our positives and negatives onto others, this shadow stuff. Um, and I also want to to go a little more in-depth into um, some work done by Robert Moore, who wrote a book called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. And I think um, I, I'm going to close by talking a little bit about what he says about the magician archetype, because the shadow side of the magician, uh, hence the title of this podcast, is, uh, is exactly what we've been talking about the whole time. Um, a magician archetype is all about immense and secret power. Um, power that goes beyond the understanding of mainstream culture, the use of lesser-known forces requiring specialized knowledge and practices. Um, so a magician, as, Moore, as Robert Moore would say, in his fullness, uh, is engaged in the right use of that power in accordance with true will. The shadow side of the magician archetype, the the um, the downfall of that archetype, is uh, it involves the misuse of this power, and typically that's for ego-driven ends. Uh, this is quite simply the evil and black magic of Crowley's definition. Um, it's something fly, flying in the face of true will, the wrong-headed drive for ego power at the expense of the true will. Uh, what do we see here? Passive-aggressive behavior, detached manipulation of others. Um, this is a, a waste of energy at best, and um, tyranny, blind aggression, and oppression of others at its worst. So, you know, many of us who who got into magic early on, um, I'm sure, myself included, and uh, probably all of us, if we're honest, uh, were on some sort of a power drive of some kind. We, we wanted to feel stronger, or we wanted to feel more in touch with ourselves, or we wanted to feel more, uh, maybe we felt weak and oppressed, and we wanted to, uh, to change that situation. It's going to be different for everyone, but it's important to be honest with ourselves about those drives existing. Otherwise, we end up projecting that we end up uh, losing sight of, uh, you know, our, our, our own um, shadow stuff, and uh, it becomes all the more possible for us to fall into um, this negative side of the magician that I was talking about. Uh, the, the remedy for that, as always, is to strive to the holy, toward the Holy Guardian Angel, to strive to have conscious understanding as fully as possible of the true will, and then to align ourselves in every thought, word, and deed with enacting that will inwardly and in our work in the outer world. And this is truly a magician in his or her fullness. And where a magician lives like that, real evil, the failure to enact the true will can never thrive.
may you each in your own way, in your own time, and according to the dictates of your own true will, achieve success in this endeavor. And that's the podcast for this month. Um, I'd like to renew my uh, eternal recommendation that you send me any uh, thoughts, uh, questions, comments, suggestions for future uh, episodes that you may have in mind at uh, david at livingthelima.com. Also, please visit livingthelima.com to see additional resources, my bio if you want to learn more about my work. And also, just uh, recently, I've added a page there that will have uh, listings of all my upcoming public appearances. Um, and there's quite a few of those here in the, in the summer of 2014 as I record this. So uh, take, take a look at that if you want to get up to date. Um, thanks very much for listening, as always. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, to share this with you. Love is the law, love under will.